This episode of Charity Village Connects is brought to you by CanadaHelps.org, Canada's leading destination for online donations and fundraising. No matter how big or small, charities can rely on Canada Helps for customizable donation forms, ticketed events, peer-to-peer fundraising, and a full donor management system. Visit forcharities.canadahelps.org. To find out how your organization can join the 26,000 Canadian charities who depend on Canada Helps every day. CanadaHelps.org. Giving made simple. Welcome to Charity Village Connects. I'm your host, Mary Barrel. That's the sound of a hummingbird pollinating our world and making it a better place. The hummingbird is Charity Village's logo because we strive, like the industrious hummingbird, to make connections across the nonprofit sector and help make positive change. Over this series of podcasts, we'll explore topics that are vital to the nonprofit sector in Canada. Topics like diversity, equity, and inclusion, mental health in the workplace, the gap in female representation in leadership, and many other subjects crucial to the sector. We'll offer insight that will help you make sense of your life as a nonprofit professional, make connections to help navigate challenges, and support your organization to deliver on its mission. In this episode, we'll explore a bit of a mystery. Why, with incredibly sophisticated technology within easy reach, are some nonprofits still struggling to adapt and take advantage of digital tools? Is it simply a question of cost? Or is something more fundamental at work here, such as a lack of skills and understanding of how digital technology can help charitable organizations better connect with donors and volunteers? Meet George Jetson. You've probably heard the expression, the future ain't what it used to be. Meaning, the gleaming, fully automated utopia people once dreamed of back in the 1950s and 60s never really came to be. Technology can point the way to a future of limitless promise that frees the mind and the spirit as it improves the well-being of mankind. Instead of rooms full of giant computers powering intriguing but bulky mechanisms designed to ease almost all aspects of our lives, much of modern technology is invisible or barely noticeable. Think of cloud computing or our smartphones, miraculous devices that give us all the knowledge in the world right at our fingertips. We can thank the digital revolution for these and other advancements that were unimaginable not so long ago. But the often imperceptible footprint of digital technology can sometimes create an awareness problem for those smaller nonprofit organizations that could greatly benefit from more efficient and streamlined tools, but don't have the in-house skills or management structure to keep up with recent advancements. Some, perhaps many, charitable organizations prefer to keep their focus on more traditional means of fundraising. Galas, phone banks, mail-outs, and haven't taken the time to fully explore new ways of doing business. Others, especially those who've had to pivot to more online operations during the pandemic, may have acquired new technology, but aren't using it to its full capabilities. 
We're going back to the future by asking, why have some nonprofits missed the digital revolution? We'll hear from experts who say now is the time for Canadian nonprofits to digitize in an economically challenged environment, still recovering from the effects of COVID-19. We'll also offer some digital tips and strategies for organizations looking to reduce the gap in their digital technology adoption. Marty, you've got to come back with me. Where? Back to the future. It's about expectations of a 21st century stakeholder. Internet technology is not new anymore. It's not novel. So when someone who's perhaps a new donor or a volunteer encounters your digital infrastructure and has a less than ideal experience with it, it can create a barrier or a sense of mistrust. Nonprofit digital transformation is no longer just an organizational challenge. It's a sector imperative. And I think we're really doing our sector a disservice if we leave it to each executive director or each nonprofit board or each staff member to figure out their digital transformation journey on their own. We learned that 43% of nonprofit organizations across Canada are forecasting a revenue increase this year, with almost half expecting at least a 25% increase. And the top three investment areas for these growth organizations are in digital or automated platforms, increasing in their marketing budgets, and hiring of skilled staff. So transformation is actually creating new opportunities. I sort of hear those questions and think, how can they not know the power and purpose of analytical and statistical work for business and operational intelligence? However, that's really easy for me to see and, and see why. I know how stretched a not-for-profit can be in terms of wearing many hats, trying to do it all, and constantly up against, you know, fundraising issues or, you know, keeping the lights on and keeping hope alive. So I would never criticize whatever stage they're at. And I think it truly depends on the organization itself. Where do you start? You start off with reimagining how you're going to operate and going beyond the typical constraints or limitations of what we used to do in the past. Let's break down those barriers. Let's reimagine how we want to act or what we want to do, how we want to engage. Think about the art of the possible. A lot of younger donors in particular like to give in a variety of different ways. It's not just donations on a charity's website. It's also through micro donations that are linked to a purchase. They also like to give through social networks as well as through live streaming. Really, when we think about online giving, it has to encompass very diverse methods. So I don't have an exact definition of when digital transformation began. It was a very organic evolution of technology and its use in businesses and organizations. But really, you can trace a lot of this back to the 80s and 90s when businesses were first starting to use spreadsheets and word processors and other types of rudimentary technology that's very basic today. In its recent report on the future of giving in Canada, PayPal's Giving Fund notes that the pandemic forced charities into a situation where they had to quickly shift more of their operations online, whether they were ready or not. With some nonprofits now returning to their offices or perhaps utilizing a hybrid in-person and online model, it might be tempting for organizations with tight budgets to view their shift to the digital world as only a temporary necessity. But according to the PayPal report, 
Digital marketing and fundraising has become an essential and permanent reality for a sector facing more challenges and unknowns than ever before. In fact, the document is blunt in its assessment of what charities need to do, stating that the ability to reach donors online is now crucial to the sustainability of our sector. In our very first episode, we spoke with Marina Glogovats, who at the time was president and CEO of Canada Helps, a technology solutions provider for the charitable sector. This was her observation about the pandemic's early impact on nonprofits and how some organizations pivoted from traditional fundraising methods to a more digital, online approach. What really got hit hard, especially for charities that were reliant on events and ticketed events, and I've spoke to a few smaller charities that almost all of their funding was from that one big event or maybe two events, right? And they're now facing one, two, three, four opportunities missed, right? So ticketed events took a huge hit and I see it coming back. Some charities did virtual events. So definitely charities got really creative with what they had. I would have to say that those charities that were already set up on the events platform, on the peer-to-peer platform, with the online donation forms, and that actually had email lists that could be worked and added on, that they in general did better. I think charities that didn't even have the baseline in some of these things are ones that really suffer the most at this time. So to begin with, how can nonprofits establish that baseline of necessary digital technology Marina refers to? Or more to the point, why should they? I pose these questions to Anya McGlynn, a consultant dedicated to upping the digital skills and information practices of small nonprofit organizations. And, full disclosure, she's also the author of the Charity Village e learning course, Digital Transformation for Nonprofits. It's funny, I was making this case and this argument 10 years ago when I was running a program to address the digital skills gap in the nonprofit sector. At that time, we had a hard time even socializing the concept of cloud computing. And this was with big private sector funders who were like, "Mm, don't really know what you're talking about. (laughs) Feels like this is a nice to have. Of course, 10 years later, and on the back of a global pandemic, we all can see that this is not a nice to have, that being able to collaborate from anywhere becomes the really key driver for organizations who haven't yet made the jump into using digital technology. So obviously remote work is a key driver. But beyond that, I would say it's about greater efficiency, about doing a little bit more with less when you're thinking about how to smooth out some of those time-consuming manual processes related to technology and data and leverage technology to make them a bit quicker and more efficient. And then finally, I would say it's about expectations of a 21st century stakeholder. Internet technology is not new anymore. It's not novel. The idea of being able to use any internet-enabled device to be able to do any number of things on the internet is not new. It's commonplace. It's now part of our habits. So when someone who's perhaps a new donor or a volunteer encounters your digital infrastructure and has a less than ideal experience with it, it can create a barrier or a sense of mistrust or misunderstanding with respect to that organization. 
If there's nothing new about internet-based services, or even the concept of digital technology, what's holding nonprofits back from fully embracing these tools? Is it cost? Or are there other factors at play? Anya has some thoughts on that. I would argue that it's never been more affordable to use digital technologies effectively. An organization with a budget of maybe seven to $10,000 annually invested in the actual subscription cost for the technology can get really, really far. But the true cost has to take into account the level of skill and the wherewithal to be able to use those technologies effectively. That that true cost is often kind of left out of the picture. So when we're talking about it from a budget consideration, it's not the hard costs of the tools themselves. That's not prohibitive. Google for nonprofits, for example, you get up to like 2000 user licenses, and that is an incredibly powerful suite of tools. But most organizations that I encounter are using maybe 10% of what that tool is capable of. So in fact, I think that the barrier is it's the hard technical skills, which is not unique to the nonprofit sector, by the way. We have a little bit of a skills deficit with respect to technology usage across this country. But the sector becomes uniquely sort of vulnerable to that because perhaps we don't have the resources to outsource some of that work or to call in support from folks like myself. The other big barrier is the time and the focus on training and new habit building around technologies. I, I often say to my clients, like with any new skill you're learning, it requires a daily practice of habit. It requires that sort of discipline to reinforce that new skill or that new habit. And bringing technologies in to replace old workflows is exactly the same as learning a new habit. It requires that discipline. The HAL 9000 computer which can reproduce, though some experts still prefer to use the word mimic, most of the activities of the human brain. We next spoke with the HAL 9000 computer, whom we learned one addresses as Hal. Good afternoon, Hal. How's everything going? Good afternoon, Mr. Amer. Everything is going extremely well. The need for digital transformation in the sector is viewed so seriously by some leading Canadian and global organizations that they recently joined forces to create the Canadian Centre for Nonprofit Digital Resilience. For the first time, leading nonprofits are taking decisive, collective action to build the digital capacity of the sector. The Centre's founders include some well-known names in the nonprofit sector, including Imagine Canada, Tamarack Institute, and Setsi. Katie Gibson, Vice President at CIO Strategy Council, agrees that the nonprofit sector is only just beginning the digital transformation it so critically needs. So, on the whole, Canada's nonprofits haven't fully embraced digital tools. We have a nice survey from Canada Helps of nonprofit digital skills that was done last year. And only a quarter of those organizations surveyed rated their knowledge and skill level as very good for general office operational software. The survey also didn't delve into data capacity specifically, but we know the same challenges exist there and that the data challenge and the technology challenge are very much intertwined. The basic aim of the Canadian Centre for Nonprofit Digital Resilience is to help nonprofits adopt new technologies as Katie Gibson, the co-founder of the Centre, explains. And I should add, Charity Village is proud to be a partner in this important initiative. So the Centre has come together to respond to a simple fact, which is that nonprofit digital transformation is no longer just an organizational challenge. 
It's a sector imperative. And I think we're really doing our sector a disservice if we leave it to each executive director or each nonprofit board or each staff member to figure out their digital transformation journey on their own. But I think what's clear to us is that if we tackle this issue at a sector level, it's going to be more efficient and less duplicative than leaving each individual nonprofit to solve this for themselves. So we created the center to play that role of convener and coordinator so that we really can operate more like a functioning whole. I asked Katie for a big picture snapshot of what the current digital landscape looks like for nonprofits in Canada. How successful have nonprofits been in moving the needle on adopting new technologies, especially with the dramatic changes we've seen since the beginning of the pandemic back in 2020? In our conversation, Katie referenced a survey by Sage, an accounting and finance software firm focused on small and mid-sized organizations. Sage recently published an important report about the digital transformation of the nonprofit sector. Sage surveyed Canadian nonprofits and found that 9 in 10 nonprofits are embracing some form of digital transformation. About a quarter are going through the process to become digital first organizations. You mentioned COVID. No doubt that the pandemic has really opened a window of opportunity there. So interestingly, if we look at that SAGE survey, they actually found that 51% of nonprofits reported that their finance and accounting processes were digitized during 2021. So massive sort of adoption happening. We know that this digital adoption did happen under duress in many cases because suddenly we had to serve clients remotely and we had to work remotely. And in many cases, we had to do more with less. But I think, you know, more than just accelerating the adoption of specific digital tools, I think the pandemic has really changed mindsets on the strategic importance of technology in delivering on our mission. And now is the time that we can really build on that momentum. We wanted to learn more, so we reached out to Daniel O, Vice President of SAGE, who surprised us with some encouraging data about the nonprofit sector. The report found that nine out of 10 nonprofits are in the process of digitizing their operations or going fully digital in their operational processes. And this shows that nonprofits are leaning heavily on technology to gain efficiencies, through business processes such as data collection, reporting, and organizational tools. And we're finding that technology is assisting the transition to remote work or has assisted it. And it's helping them save time through complications related to COVID-19 or digitizing financial processes that have already been proven to be beneficial to nonprofit organizations, including organizations that are just beginning their digital transformation journey. We learned that 43% of nonprofit organizations across Canada are forecasting a revenue increase this year, with almost half expecting at least a 25% increase. And the top three investment areas for these growth organizations are in digital or automated platforms, increasing in their marketing budgets, and hiring of skilled staff. So transformation is actually creating new opportunities. And the key to a successful transformation is to have a solid strategy and direction. And priorities should be set and explained with clear metrics to set out progress. We did have to pivot and adapt. The thing that I find really inspiring is happening all over the place with organizations really pivoting to meet their mission in incredibly creative and innovative ways and really rapidly. So that's been actually amazing to see because 
the nonprofit sector is a wonderful thing, but I don't think anybody often accuses it of being rapidly innovative. <laughs> the reality is everything is being connected and not just connected. Guess what that produces for us? Data and information. Not everyone in this world needs to be a data scientist, but everyone needs to be comfortable with data to be able to succeed. Be as digital as possible. That's one of the key recommendations for the charitable sector, included in BDO Canada's Guide for Not-for-Profits Digital Transformation. This includes embracing the power of data as part of a well-planned digital strategy that encompasses an organization's culture, mission, and operational goals. According to the guide, nonprofits moving fully into the world of integrated technology should understand the data they're collecting and how best to leverage it while also being mindful of the need for increased data security in this new environment they're working in. The end goal, says BDO Canada, is increased operational efficiencies and increased revenues. In a digital world, data is everything. And for organizations beginning or growing their digital transformations, there are two kinds of data. Good data and data for good. The latter is more than a catchphrase. It's the name of the nonprofit Data for Good that describes itself as the Canadian voice for data scientists with a conscience. As co-founder Joy Robson explains, Data for Good works at the crossroads where technological innovation meets positive social change, including addressing a very specific skills gap in the nonprofit sector. There's been a tremendous amount of technical innovation, information age innovation that's happened, I would say, in the last 40, 50 years. And we see it in the for-profit world. We see how much technology, data, and the application of data has changed our lives. And organizations that are in the for-profit sector, you know, the Fortune 500s, they can afford to continue to innovate and employ and get the latest and greatest tools to keep using this powerful new resource. Even governments are more equipped to work with this new age that we're in. The quantity of computer data generated on planet Earth is growing exponentially for many reasons. However, our much needed and much loved social purpose sector doesn't have those resources. So we saw that gap, we understood that gap and didn't like that it existed. So looking to other organizations and even other professions. When you think about lawyers, how they offer their services pro bono, we thought we could do that. We can help with our skills that we have and do it in a pro bono volunteer way. Data for Good's fundamental message is that nonprofits should care about data. But why? And how can data help nonprofits in their mission-driven work? How can they not know the power and purpose of analytical and statistical work for business and operational intelligence? However, that's really easy for me to see and, and see why. But the best examples come from case studies of peers. When they see someone like the Red Cross or the United Way or other organizations that maybe are closer to home for them, the Terry Fox Foundation or Second Harvest, and they start to see how a colleague or a peer organization has used data to advance their mission and their ultimately what their cause is. So we try to explain how some of their peers have worked with data and find examples that are relevant to them. 
as a way to open the door and take away some of the sting or the intimidation of what may be new for them. What about those organizations that have upgraded their technology and are already collecting data? Is that enough? Or does leadership play a role here too? Here's Joy's thoughts on different nonprofit management styles and their impact on digital transformation. I would never criticize them because I know how stretched a not-for-profit can be in terms of wearing many hats, trying to do it all, and constantly up against you know fundraising issues or keeping the lights on and keeping hope alive. So I would never criticize whatever stage they're at. And I think it truly depends on the organization itself because as we all know, or if we've spent any time in the social sector, you can have really established charities. They practically run like Fortune 500 companies. They have an executive suite, they have a management level, they have governance, and they have solid funding. So when you're at that point, what you can do with data is different than what you can do when you are a community organization and maybe not even a soliciting not-for-profit. So when we work with organizations, the first thing we try and understand is where they're at and it varies. A good example I remember and enjoy talking about is here in Toronto, there's an organization called the Sentinel Project, and they are doing fascinating work around crisis awareness, prevention of genocide, early warning alert systems in the developing world. And we worked with them because they had already started building their own, and this is early days, this is, you know, 2014, they had built their own database, which they call HateBase, where they were starting to log online, they were scraping off of Twitter and social media, big data sets of language and doing natural language processing and syntax and trying to accumulate a sense of hate words, hate terminology being used in social media as they had in their literature found that it was an early warning sign and an early predictor of genocide in a region. So just very advanced. And they had an API, an application interface to connect into that database. And they weren't a large organization, they still aren't, but they had some key people who were technically savvy, able to build some tools like that. So we could hit the ground running with them. Other organizations aren't at that point, and that's okay. We can start wherever they're at. The view that no matter where an organization is on the digitization journey, moving forward to build resilience, and not just survive, but to thrive, is critical for nonprofits. Matt Ambrose is a partner at BDO Canada with over 23 years of professional experience providing management and technology consulting services. I asked him about his work on digital strategies for nonprofits, about the importance of data, and about BDO Canada's guide for not-for-profit digital transformation. I'm a partner in our management consulting practice, and I lead digital strategy. Digital strategy is a hot topic for all nonprofits, frankly, and all organizations around the world. So ultimately, what we do is help them figure out how to identify, align, and prioritize their technology investments and to reach their business goals and objectives. It really depends on where you are. You as an organization, where you are in what we call the digital maturity curve. We have 
lots of organizations that are early adopters and lots that are laggards. So where you start in the journey and why you're starting there will depend on your individual circumstances. So if you think about from a data integrity perspective, you'll have better community and stakeholder engagement and transparency, auditability, those types of things. Those are all big factors. And through better engagement, you will be able to provide a better service. The community is going to benefit. Your stakeholders are going to benefit, which means that could have a direct benefit into more funding because the more visibility and transparency that donors get, maybe the, the more they're going to be willing to provide. The other thing is the measurability of your success. Having access to the data, you'll then be able to report back on certain metrics and KPIs so that people will be able to see, are we actually having the intended impact that we set out for? Our digital playbook is really designed to show you our approach and our process, frankly. It walks you through a defined approach in where you start, key steps that you need to follow, and then ultimately what the end result is. Where do you start? You start off with reimagining how you're going to operate and going beyond the typical constraints or limitations of what we used to do in the past. Let's break down those barriers. Let's reimagine how we want to act or what we want to do, how we want to engage. Think about the art of the possible. All documents and household records are available on the video screen for immediate reference. Also at his disposal is an electronic correspondence machine or home post office, which allows for instant written communication between individuals anywhere in the world. The ability to reach donors online is now crucial to the sustainability of our sector. That's from the future of giving, online across generations, which is a report from the PayPal Giving Fund that we mentioned at the beginning of this episode. And although it would appear to be settled that digital transformations, including shifting to online giving, is the right path for most nonprofits, the PayPal study reinforces just how critical online giving is to the future of the sector. PayPal's data suggests the shift to online giving is not a temporary, pandemic-driven phenomenon, but rather that nonprofits should plan for all generations of donors in Canada to give more by digital means in the future. Wenchi O'Connell is Executive Director of PayPal Giving Fund Canada. Although the report about generational online giving in Canada offers a new way of looking at the need for digitization in the nonprofit sector, it also points to some obvious differences among age groups related to the way that they like to give. To start, I asked Wen Chi what demographics tell us about the philanthropic tendencies of different generations. A lot of younger donors in particular like to give in a variety of different ways. It's not just donations on a charity's website. It's also through micro donations that are linked to a purchase. They also like to give through social networks as well as through live streaming. Really, when we think about online giving, it has to encompass very diverse methods. But what about older donors? The boomers and the silver generation. Those who are more mission-driven and have long-standing relationships with their favorite charities. 
when she shared some interesting findings from the PayPal report that dispelled stereotypes about older generations and their relationship with digital technology. But she also touched on a serious concern among these donors. The stereotype that we hear about the older generations is that they really eschew technology, they resist doing anything online. And while that might be true for some, our data actually showed that two-thirds of baby boomer and silver donors are already giving online, and 62% of them are likely to give online in the coming year. They are very loyal with their donations, and for charities that have a base of these donors already, the key to retaining them and increasing touch points with them may be in helping them feel more comfortable with giving to your charity online. And some of the most important factors that these generations are looking for when giving online are one, the security of their financial information, and two, receiving a tax receipt. So offering online donation options that ensure their financial information is secure and will provide tax receipts will be key. PayPal Giving Fund issues tax receipts for donations of any amount made on our partner platforms, including Facebook, GoFundMe, and PayPal. So charities who receive funds from us through these platforms don't have to issue receipts for those donations. As Gen Z and millennials are the generations that will be driving the future of giving, I wondered if when she had some tips for nonprofits looking to encourage giving from these younger groups. Gen Z and millennials are, of course, the generations that will be driving the future of giving. So it's really important to understand what motivates them to give and how they like to give. We found in our research that these generations are giving to causes and charities that capture their attention. The majority of these generations pay more attention to the causes that they hear about on social media. And by leveraging current events and social media platforms, charities can attempt to catch their attention. And then making sure that they know the impact their donation will have and making it really easy for these donors to be able to share about their support so that they can help promote your charity to their own networks. Our research also found that over half of Gen Z donors prefer to give their time and talents over giving monetary donations. So engaging them in volunteer activities will help to show them the impact of the work that donations are fueling and again, encourage them to post about their experience on social media. And there are other data points outlined in our report that can help charities to formulate strategies to help start to build a base among millennial and Gen Z donors. I also asked Wen Chi to sum up how nonprofits using the findings in the PayPal Giving Report can better engage with different generations of online donors. Our report really talks about what are the key factors that the various generations are looking for as they're giving online, as well as are they planning to still give online in the future. And I think we saw that across all generations, donors are planning to give online. But what they're looking for when they're giving online may be different. So if you are a charity and you have a large base of older donors that maybe have primarily been giving offline and you want to look to see if you can transition them from being offline donors to online donors, then you may want to start messaging them about the security of the online donation portal that you're offering you may want to let them know that they will still get their donation receipt as well. For the younger donors, again, it's around capturing their attention and trying to find ways 
to make yourselves present on social networks that are reaching those younger donors. And it could be a matter of partnering with an influencer that has a following of people in this younger donor base and doing a project with them where they are promoting your charity or your cause and showing really what the impact of the donations are going to have in the community or in the cause that they're working towards addressing. And so really looking at how do we leverage those social networks? How do we make sure that the impact is communicated front and center? And how do we make it really easy for them to also share about their support for your charities with their own networks is also kind of key when you're looking to build up that younger donor base. Wait a minute, Doc. Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Earlier, I mentioned the movie Back to the Future. Now to finish up, we're going back to the beginning. The beginning of this podcast, that is. And here again from Anya McGlynn, a consultant and author of the Charity Village e-learning course, Digital Transformation for Nonprofits. I asked her to share some highlights from the course. One of the things that we start off with is some fundamentals of cloud computing. And so those are really like principles to keep in mind when you're thinking about how cloud-based operations can work. The course also talks about the basics of starting to create a data model, which sounds highly technical, but it's really not. It's just an exercise in documenting what information you collect from each person that you engage with. We're familiar with this with donors and donation data. We need certain information in order to produce a tax receipt. So that tax receipt helps us shape what the data model is with respect to that donor. But the same thing can be said for a program participant. If we have a grant report where we have to report certain things about that program participant, well, that informs the information that we want to collect on that program participant. So we walk through how you can begin to create a data model that then serves as a bit of a roadmap for how you collect information from folks and how you put it into a report or into a dashboard. And here's Anya with some of her favorite and free resources that nonprofits should include in their digital toolkits. There are two major players in the world of cloud computing right now, Google and Microsoft. So Google's Workspace and then Microsoft's 365. And so many organizations I encounter are living life in hybrid. So they might be officially a Google organization, but they're still creating all of their content in Microsoft Office tools or vice versa. So many organizations I speak to use Microsoft 365, they have access to that whole suite of products, but they use Google Forms just because they don't know that Microsoft has a Forms tool. So my first piece of advice is pick one side or the other because they're very complementary in terms of the product offerings and the tools that are included in those suites. Go deep on each one of them. Invest in just learning the essentials of what those suites can do because organizations are using 10 to 15% of the capacity of these really powerful suites of tools that for the most part are generously donated by those two companies. So start to dive deep into your core operating platform. And for the organizations who are not yet on the cloud, that's the first step. Speak with someone about migrating from your on-premise server or your webmail into either Google Workspace or Microsoft 365. Both products are available for free to charities, and there's a whole lot of self-paced learning about how to get up and running with them. 
So that we may know where we stand and how we are to advance, our every effort is recorded in constantly growing files. But as we progress, we accumulate more data, more records, more reports than we can easily handle. I think for many of us, uh, especially in the charitable sector, innovation is probably too often equated with digital transformation. But it does seem clear at the same time that embracing digital and virtual ways of working and serving our communities really is now the requirement for survival. If there's one consistent thread we heard throughout our interviews, it's that the need for nonprofits to transform and pivot to digital technology is really not an option. If your nonprofit is ready to embrace digital transformation, a good starting point can be found in the organizations mentioned in this episode. You'll find links for these and other resources on our website, including the Canadian Centre for Nonprofit Digital Resilience, which aims to build a digitally enabled nonprofit sector. The centre focuses on nonprofits most in need of resources to increase their digital resilience. As we've discussed in this podcast, the effective use of technology, when combined with strong leadership and clear goals, can help nonprofits connect in a more meaningful way to their stakeholders, the clients they serve, and the funders and donors who support their missions. The Canadian Centre for Nonprofit Digital Resilience exists to narrow the digital divide by providing access to digital leadership training tech readiness programs, free or discounted software, and much more. I want to thank our guests for sharing their concerns about the challenges facing those nonprofits who have yet to fully embrace new technologies, and for suggesting ways forward to collectively build the digital capacity of the sector. We hope this episode will not only help organizations adapt to new ways of creating impact, but to also truly thrive in the digital age. Check out our show notes and our website for links to resources to help you explore these and other topics. If you'd like to hear the entire conversations with our guests, please visit CharityVillage.com to watch all of the video interviews. Charity Village is proud to be the Canadian source for nonprofit news, employment services, crowdfunding, e-learning, HR resources and tools, and so much more. Please take a moment to check out our website at charityvillage.com. In our next episode, as the country prepares for the second annual National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, also known as Orange Shirt Day on September 30th, we ask, how can the nonprofit sector better partner with and support Indigenous-led organizations and communities? And what should organizations and nonprofit professionals understand about their role in the sector's journey towards reconciliation? We'll hear from Indigenous leaders as they discuss their thoughts on these and other important questions. Truth and reconciliation in the nonprofit sector next time on Charity Village Connects.